Hello and welcome back to Art on a Podcast, the podcast created by Art on a Postcard. How are you doing? Are you preparing for the opening of pubs on Saturday? Are you already lining the stomach? <laughs> um, I'm sure it's going to be a really bizarre experience, actually, which might thrill some of you, the idea of it, and some of you, it might terrify you. Um, so I'll tell you what, for the next half an hour, let's talk about something completely different. <laughs> In today's episode, um, we discuss the practice of one of our super exciting summer auction artists, Scarlett Bowman. Um, if you haven't taken a look through the exhibition, Scarlett is that card made from alternative materials. Um, lots 94 and 95. Go and take a look at them. They are absolutely stunning, textural, beautifully composed pieces that I can so imagine framed and up on the wall. Um, will they will they really stand out um and in the episode scarlet speaks about her process led practice engaging uh with found materials um so minimizing waste in art production and the enjoyment of the physical experience of creating works using collage and assemblage to piece together her sculptural works scarlet also worked as an actor on hollyoaks for a while and we discuss how having that kind of multifaceted career between acting and visual art can be um confusing um but Ultimately, the, that one's deepest passions um, will always prevail. Um, so uh, Scarlett is lovely to chat to um, and also looking after a small baby presently. So I was really delighted to catch a minute with her um, just to chat. And remember that our summer auction is now live and you only have until July 9th to place your bids and you'll need to log in and register and all that stuff beforehand so make sure you don't miss out on the rare opportunity of picking up a stunning original signed artwork from some of the world's leading artists all to help raise funds for the Hepatitis C Trust. 100% of the money raised in our auctions goes directly to the charity that is working now harder than ever. Um, we will hear in the next episode from our CEO, Rachel Halford, um, at the Hepatitis C Trust on exactly what um, COVID-19 has meant for the Trust in terms of their goal of eliminating the virus by 2025. Um, and we have a really really interesting discussion about that so get yourself some art if you have been liking the podcast please subscribe and like and share amongst your friends and followers it all comes back to the charity in the end so enjoy the episode i know you're gonna love it Hi Scarlett, how are you doing? I'm alright, thank you. I'm alright. Sorry about the pickle to, to get this in the diary. Um, Absolutely no problem. I know that it can be um, difficult because I know you've got a little baby there with you, haven't you? Well, he's a little big baby. My little <laughs> <man>. <laughs> <laughs> how is he coping? Are you enjoying being a mummy? <laughs> I am, I am. You know what, just, have you got kids or not? I don't, no, I don't. No, it, it gets it gets more fun as they get sort of older because they just 
they just get more fun and more more playful and their little character develop. But yeah, I mean, he's blissfully unaware you know, to what's going on. So that's um, it's quite funny, that really. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure he's loving it, having all the attention at home. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, and where is lockdown for you? Lockdown is at home. We're in West London. Um, sort of been here forever, really. Um, so the odd trip to sort of see the parents and have a, like a walk in the, in the garden and that. But um, it's quite a, it's quite a thing, I think, to pack up. You know, I know lots of friends have sort of vacated and gone down to to hole up with parents. But I feel like um, this is sort of an adjustment we have to make going forward. Maybe you know what I mean, as opposed to mm. the weeks. It's sort of I can't I can't see an end at the moment. Um, Mm, yeah yeah I know what you mean I think it this has been a really amazing test of just how adaptable I think we all actually are I think um I know some people are obviously uh struggle more than others but um yeah it's quite amazing really because if you can't take your practice home or if you can't you know find a space to work and that's got to be tricky you have to you know what I mean yeah definitely um and so does that mean are you able to create in this environment how do you keep working from home it's been kind of tricky not just with baby but just in terms of space and my work's quite painterly and, and i really like to make a mess that's sort of part of the process and that i obviously can't do in my spare bedroom because my husband will go bananas um but it's also shrunk i guess a little bit because you know i, I quite like working you know quite large scale when i've got the space but Again, that's not possible. But it's but it's also, you know what I mean, been quite fun to um, to change it up and mix it up. Um, we were given access to the studios to collect, you know, some materials. Mm. So I literally grabbed my sewing machine and, and I have sort of literally bin bags full of, of scraps of fabric that I've been sort of hoarding because I'm such a hoarder for, for a while. And yeah. I um, just grabbed them and, and brought them home and, and started making these small little patchworks and that I can do here. So, yeah, yeah. Same. yeah yeah so you you use a lot of um mainly found and recycled material is that right yeah i do i do this week because i when i look back at when i graduated from my master's you know sort of five six years ago now mm. i was making these massive tapestries i was still working you know within textile but the fabrics were a lot more banal and sort of mainstream mm. like sort of removal blankets and dishwasher fabrics and you know all these sort of really domestic materials right and now i think i'm just a bit more relaxed and a bit more playful with it and just have a bit more fun with it because i think you know when you're under guidance of other tutors and stuff they're always asking you you know to, to, to justify what you're doing and why and it sort of forces you to really back up everything whereas actually if you take all that out and you just enjoy and have a bit of fun um kind of shifts your practice quite a lot i think um yeah yeah so how do you how do you source them now and what is the process between finding the materials and then getting to the point where you're piecing them together yeah it's sort of like sort of archaeology i guess in a sense i'm sort of mm. a real big process of collage and i think that's always if i break down my practice that's always what i found most enjoyable it's this yeah. sort of pilgrimage to find materials so when i was doing my you know my education my masters it was um these really boring materials i found at home <laughs> i didn't have bags of money to spend on fabric so i literally would stuff that i find or when i went traveling i went I this, we went on our honeymoon to india actually and that was just just amazing mm. um, in terms of, of finding you know rice sacks to, to hand printed cottons just just stuff that i would find and i collect and 
and I was actually at the time I was making these composite casts, which, which I still do, but I just haven't done for a while. And that was a really lovely way of sort of archiving these different materials. Um, yeah. And um, yeah, I guess the process of putting them together is, is the most fun because it's sort of mixing and matching, seeing what works and what doesn't work. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. And as you said, um, using kind of a craft space process using textiles and stitching and collage and assemblage are you um are you in your kind of practice are, are you as you said you know f from having to do an ma where you justify everything are you engaging with the tradition of this type of process you know f for instance um as a kind of historically vastly overlooked medium within the art tradition due to the idea that it's you know, women's work or whatever. I know there's a lot of theory around that. Yeah, I think subconsciously maybe I am. Not, I'm not actively thinking about that when I'm, when I'm doing things. I also think people's practices should just manifest quite naturally. Mm. I've never been like sort of, you know, this is what I'm going to set out to make and this is how I'm going to do it. It's never been that methodical. It's more, this is what works for me and what I enjoy. You know, the pleasure thing is a real thing for me. Um, yeah. It's my hobby as well as, you know, I obviously love to make a living from it too, but it's it's what I enjoy to do and I think that I, I did fashion for um for a level and textile and I was really sort of engaged with handling fabric and also this whole idea of work being process based you know you can see the the process within it and mm. I love that about my work and I love that about other people's work as well um yeah I'm not so much reading the 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 text underneath and you know either speaks to me or it sort of doesn't but I think yeah I really do love that handmade quality you know the Alta Cavera sort of movement and um, mm. uh, folk art and outsider art and yeah that sort of yeah that, yeah good. yeah because I suppose now there's such a sort of people are calling it the craft revolution or whatever or the uh under lockdown and it's sort of um I, I suppose we're I, I have heard that it's brilliant yeah and I suppose we're sort of seeing um just because people are at home and they're picking up yeah. hobbies maybe they've been left off from work just yeah. the kind of the, the mindfulness um practice that that creating art can induce or whatever is, is that the kind of do you, do you get into a kind of meditative state when you work um yeah. people always ask me do I listen to music when I make work and I used to when I was younger when I sort of first started but now I weirdly don't, I don't even listen to podcasts because I really need to concentrate. Um, it, it sort of takes my attention away if I don't. So mm. I, I really do get into a sort of, yeah, sort of really calm state and it, it does totally takes your mind away from, you know, the real world. Um, yeah. And I've been watching that Grayson Perry's art club actually and he sort of talks all about that. And it's, it's true, these, you know, Anthony Gormley's there, you know, hold up in his studio and Maggie Hambling and just interesting listening to, to everyone sort of, doesn't really matter what's going on when you've got your studio and your materials because nothing's really changed there I think that's the point nothing's changed in that sort of sphere yeah yeah I I, I watched a bit of that as well I, I love Maggie Hambling I thought she was <laughs> she, she was ruthless she just doesn't give a shit does she <laughs> <laughs> yeah brilliant um and uh, I've read that your work, uh, that in your work, you create abstract sculptures and reliefs that address the materiality that forms our contemporary commodity culture. What do you mean by this and how do you do it? So that was, um, I guess that's in relation to these fragments uh, mm. that 
produce. And I've been making them for quite a while now. And I think initially when I started doing those, as I said before, they were sort of made with these sort of really sort of banal domestic materials, sort of, um, you know, stuff that I find um, around the house or on the street or in the sort of 99p store. Um, and I think I was really interested in how we sort of integrate materials within our lives and the tactility of them and how literally the material quality of them, how they're made. I was really fascinated with them. Like, you know, on roadblocks, you get that sort of orange netting. I used to use lots of that and latex. And they sort of, again, actually quite masculine materials often. Um, mm. And I guess it was sort of addressing the, the commodity of, of the modern commodity and how extreme it is. And I guess kind of how gross it is as well and the waste. And I think that's now when I use like recycled paintings. It's, it's funny because I used to, um, I had a period when I used other, other artists' work as well as my own. Mm. Um, then that kicked off a whole other dilemma of using other people's work and authenticity and... Um, so I sort of steered away from that and actually even like recycling now within my own work, um, you know, because I still find it quite hard to make work. I'll make paintings and then destruct them and take them apart and it's sort of, you know, re reusing. And I just hate the idea of going to the art shop and spending lots of money on, you know, brand new canvas and brand new paints. And I just think there's too much stuff, isn't there? You know, I know as artists, we all make work. Um, we're making more stuff, but I think fundamentally, if you can make pieces of, out of, you know, ephemera and, and stuff that we have then that's all the better mm -hmm. and it's kind of going down deep into a kind of pure form of creating because i guess you know now we we're so lucky and we, we're kind of um there's kind of an oversaturation with what you can and can't use you know it's like you can you can you can go to the art shop you can pick up you know the best acrylic paints and an easel and, and some glitter and so but i suppose you know the the very first artworks you, you know you mentioned folk art the very first artworks were made by people looking around them and making yeah making do and creating with these raw materials um so yeah. i find that's yeah. really cool no that's funny you say that because i think when i was studying i would i that was a real thing for me it's sort of like i needed like some sort of control i just found it really nuts that I think I had all this pent up like creativity in me and because you know at school I didn't do much applied arts um that I sort of I spent two years aggressively making it was this real obsession I had with making um and um mm. yeah it sort of all comes back to that I think yeah but you needed my point was you needed these sort of boundaries I needed these boundaries to you can't you can you can make anything you know whereas you've got to find some sort of structure um yeah yeah, yeah. It's funny. It's sort of like if by by limiting yourself, yeah. you you you're forced to to engage with your imagination, your creativity, um, almost like you're getting over puzzles, and you know it's exactly yeah exactly. yeah yeah definitely. Um, so uh, do you have any um recurring inspirations in your work? Not necessarily artistic, um, even you know bus journeys or you know is, is there anything that you find that you constantly sort of keep going back to to refer to to get inspiration good question um no i mean like the weirdest thing that springs to mind would be sort of sometimes when i'm rummaging through sort of my mounds of materials how i find materials within the bag or you know they'll spill out onto the floor and how i how i find sort of fabrics that ended up together and i look at them and i think oh that really works it's sort of, I like to take my hand out of it, weirdly. I sort of like to let it sort of do its thing on its own accord. Mm. Um, so that's why I really love sort of 
the idea of scraps and recycling, you know, bits of canvas stuff that hasn't been made for this purpose. It's been made for something else, but you've got that history. Like sort of those um, quilt making and I think in, in, in Japan, they, they make these, um, well, I'm sad, but they make Zorro textiles and it's all about fixing and patchwork. And um, yeah, we're fixing things, clothes, blankets, bags. Um, and I love that idea. Um, mm. Mm. Yeah, I think that sort of comes into it somehow. And obviously, you know, looking at other other people's other artists' work, um, that's always inspiring. Um, yeah. Like Sterling Ruby's work and Phila Dibalo and mm. um, Yeah. Yeah, lovely. So, um, Scarlett, am I right in saying that you started your career out as an actor? Before, did. did that come before the art the art, or were you always kind of was it always this dual no, I was, you know, I did textiles, I did photography, I studied all the sort of history of art all at, all at school, and then I graduated and went to uni to study. Mm -hmm. I, I did want to study fine art, applied arts, but we weren't really encouraged. Um, it's quite an academic school, so I right. applied to study ancient history at Newcastle instead. Um, and I remember walking around the um, fine art building being like, I was so gutted. No. <laughs> I know, and then and then I left uni and I went to work in, for an art gallery in in Soho, and I was there a couple of years, and I it sort of dawned on me that I really wanted to take art seriously, and I was sort of on the wrong side of the desk, so to speak. So I applied actually to the Slade, um, and I got in, but the same literally the same week I got in, I got offered a, an acting job, but mm. but that was so random. It wasn't like that was a plan. Like my brother's an actor. Um, and I mm. went to a couple of meetings and I literally landed a job on my second audition. Wow. You know, I was earning no money in the art world and I was like, sod it, I'm a yes person, let's give it a go. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So I did that for a couple of years and I think a friend of mine came, I was sharing this flat with a friend of mine up in um, Liverpool. And it was just, it was basically a studio. I was, I was doing all these collaged, um, just cutting out, you know, bits from newspaper and magazines. And again, sort of too dissimilar to what I'm doing now. She said, you're in the wrong job. And I said, I know. So I quit and I went, um, I literally left Liverpool on Friday and on Monday morning I was in the Arts Foundation at City and Guilds mm. with a bunch of 18 year olds. So that was, that was fun. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was a sidestep. Yeah. Wow. I mean, you've done, you, you, you did so brilliantly as an actor. So, you know, as you said, why not? Um, but I was wondering, appearing in Hollyoaks and stuff, how, how much does doing something like that help you launch an art career? And is it ever a hindrance? Because you know, people are kind of obsessed with boxing people in and saying, you know, you can't be an actor because you're an artist, or you can't be an artist because you're an actor. Or, and, and so I, I, I wonder, does having a kind of multifaceted career, um, how, do, how does that affect your kind of practice? I think people love to pigeonhole people and people, I think ultimately people want people to be, you know, focused and committed to one thing. And yeah. I, I understand why people think that, but I wouldn't class myself as an actress anymore. And right. it, I mean, was it a hindrance? I, I don't think it was a hindrance. Only like now with, with the web, like you Google my name and you know, all that stuff will come up because that's what received the most press. So, mm. um, you know, it's like I'm trying to change my Wikipedia for years. I've actually given up because <laughs> back to actress sorry. <laughs> so yeah. I've sort of yeah, given up with that but um, no I think, I think I think all these things sort of contribute to you as a person and which will sort of evolve and manifest within the artwork anyway and I think the fact that I came to art later on in my career and my life you know I think I take it quite seriously 
yeah yeah absolutely and, you know as I am with the approach to it I think you know I, I do I, you know I do take it really seriously and maybe mm. it's like, you know, chill yeah yeah I mean like you know having googled you and as I did before the interview and you know seeing that things like your wedding gets picked up by newspapers um and that kind of um slightly more invasive press than visual artists get um I I, I thought that might have potentially been a challenge for you but then at the same time I did also think wow that's like really fucking cool that I've looked at your art and you know it's beautiful and it's it's engaging with um all, all the stuff we've been talking about the materials and the and the tradition of crafting and you know and then to, to see that you have this other you know right. <laughs> life and talent I mean it's just it's brilliant and it's like you said it's what makes you you and I think it's wonderful oh thank you <laughs> I remember sort of at that time when I was really sort of transitioning between the two you know lots of family extended family or friends or people I just met but why why would you want to be an artist when you, you're an actor why but, but why it's funny it's that idea of celebrity and like I don't know it's just I'm like well, why can't I be an artist why, why, why is it better to, to have fame and be an actress I don't I didn't I don't get it mm, mm. I think we'll always kind of I think there is a drive in us and as you said you know you studied uh, fashion and art and stuff when you were younger I think once you've got that drive and that bug like I think it's yeah. something that will keep pulling you back you know us all back um if, if we stray too far I think it's a, it's a need it's an urge type thing yeah, totally. Um, and you founded Project on the Walls Project on the Walls I did yeah could you explain a bit about what that is so that came about um, I needed to earn some money and I had lots of talented friends who were working in all sorts of disciplines and um, along with sort of interior design and I wanted to provide a platform for artists who I knew were sort of under the radar weren't great at publicizing themselves didn't necessarily have websites or Instagram and um, put forward you know sort of artists and their work for, for different projects um, it sort of started quite organically a friend said oh can you suggest some artwork for this project I'm doing and I said sure and then she passed my details on to a friend and it sort of catapulted and then I got really busy with it um, yeah and and yeah, now that's gone slightly quiet, obviously, because the last thing people are spending money on that part. But yeah, it's um, oh yeah, it's 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 great, and I love it too. It's a nice sort of balance to have with my own sort of practice. Mm. Yeah, definitely. I mean, a lot of your work uses quite, you know, as we're saying, careful color composition, and often balancing bright colors against white. And they work so well inside gallery spaces. I can see you definitely having that the kind of eye for that kind of thing yeah yeah mm. no, totally yeah yeah um and so uh, during lockdown and I know it's hard to kind of forecast what's going to happen but do you have any kind of projects that you're working on or anything uh in the pipeline at all or no I think I'm, te well, technically I'm sort of coming out of maternity leave so yeah. my idea was to sort of get back in the studio and start um and carry on sort of making but I'm enjoying making up these sort of colleges for now and I'm going to see how sort of they develop but interestingly I've just gosh just literally before we jumped on this call I got an email from our studio right in the heart of Soho but that's about to be knocked down um, oh, wow. um so that's my next challenge is to sort of yeah sort that out um yeah but yeah it's funny how sort of where you work has a direct impact on the work you produce because you know you need all these things like space and time and um mm. you know so 
yeah definitely <laughs> that's the next thing on my list to do yeah well i i really love your the postcard that you've um donated to our charity auction um i think that it, they really stand out to me i i guess i guess you know on, due to uh their kind of textual difference to the other to the other works but also i, I think just compositionally and aesthetically um they, they really stand out and they're really beautiful and I personally will be having keeping my eye on those as well so. <laughs> see them in the flesh isn't it I guess but um yeah. yes I know I know um but yeah I, I mean it, it is kind of amazing how much uh, the sort of digital world has you know allowed us all to keep to keep going and working I know hopefully some really great things will come of it as well I'm sure definitely well Scarlett thank you so so much for taking time um out today I know you know you've got um your baby there and it's locked down so it's hard to kind of keep a structure um we're all kind of you know stumbling through it so I really really appreciate um you giving some time up and it's been really lovely chatting to you thank you it's my pleasure and thanks for inviting me to be a part of the auction um absolutely it's a it's a pleasure and we're very lucky to have you as one of the participating artists um have a lovely weekend I will. <laughs> it's sunny so that's great yes i can't wait okay <laughs> all right scarlet take care right, bye rosa bye today's episode was brought to you by art on a postcard You're listening to Series 3, A Colourful Summer, all about our upcoming summer auction between the 25th of June and the 9th of July. You can bid for all artworks online and each work starts at just £50. As always, all proceeds go towards the Hepatitis C Trust and their campaign to eliminate the virus by 2025. If you're liking the podcast, please do like, subscribe, share and tell all your friends about it. It all helps to get the word out and it all comes back to the hard work and efforts of the charity. Thanks for listening and have a wonderful week.